0: Hello and welcome along to I'm OK Though. My name's Owen Katz and I'm a record producer, songwriter.
1: Yeah, I'm Jodie Karas. I'm a therapist and I am the founder of Self Space. So how are you then?
0: I'm very tired at the moment. I don't know whether it's like a seasonal thing or a weather thing or, or just a general life.
1: Thing. Age thing. Age thing. Maybe. That's
0: weird, isn't it, that you get more tired, the older you get.
1: Well, it's like you kind of regress, don't you? Yeah. You know, we go through these kind of stages. Benjamin Button. Yeah, a little bit. But you know, sleep is so important. The value of sleep. It's a really commonly thrown around thing. I'm so tired. But I think it really, really is important. It's where we repair our psyche effectively. So when we're not sleeping or we're feeling really fatigued and tired, it's really important to notice it.
0: Wait, where we repair
1: It's where we repair our psyches. What
0: is your psyche? So
1: your psyche is like your whole being. Right. So it's your body, your mind, your spirituality, your kind of soul, your feelings, and everything balances out within your psyche. So in your body, for example, when you're hot, you sweat to cool down, yeah? So with your conscious thinking, what balances that out or repairs it is the unconscious, which is what emerges in sleep. Right. So you're sleeping. Why is that? Because your unconscious uh, matter, which is like not to get too technical, but it's everything that you know, but are not thinking about currently. Mm-hmm. So some things can be deeper and some things can be more on the surface. Like you can recall the memories or the right. feelings. Some things take a lot more to get through yeah. into your consciousness. So in your sleep, Your unconscious material, your ego defense, which is what separates your conscious and your unconscious matter, is much thinner. In your sleep. In your sleep. So your unconscious things, they come to the surface. So when you dream that is not unrelated to how you're feeling or what's going on. In fact, it's directly related. So that is your unconscious going, here, I need you to take notice of me. I need you to feel me. I need you to think about me, which is why sometimes our dreams can be quite disturbing or upsetting.
0: Is that why sometimes your dreams wake you up?
1: Sometimes it's like your psyche can't cope with it or can't quite process the matter so it it abruptly brings you into consciousness or it might be something that really needs to get heard and that kind of wakes you up you know there are lots of kind of you know this mystic ideas around dream interpretation and yeah or you're going to meet someone and this is that is different actually listening to what happens in your sleep is so powerful
0: talk to me about listening to what happens in your sleep is that like sleep patterns is that Did you ever think like when early iPhones you put it next to your bed and then you looked the next day and you can see the data?
1: No, not so much that, but obviously your sleep patterns are really important to how you feel in the day. Kind of if you're waking up or you're anxious or you're not sleeping, more that it's really important to listen to your dreams. So to make space for them.
0: What about people who don't remember their dreams? Are there methods or ways to give you a better chance? At remembering your dreams?
1: So I think there are. I think when we don't remember our dreams, it can be a sign that we're struggling to find space to grow, that we might be in a space of being stuck, which is, you know, if we think about, it's quite unpredictable, but when we stop being able to connect to our unconscious, sometimes it can be a sign that we're in a space of trauma or maybe unrest or something's not quite, working in the psyche
0: and that's your brain choosing to not remember
1: potentially yeah or to kind of shut down your unconscious i'm not listening i don't have i can't listen So a really good way to encourage it, and it sounds a bit like, ooh, but it isn't, (laughs) have a book by your bed that is just for your dreams. So just put a book there and that says, you know, this is just for my dreams, not your shopping list, which is a really clear sign. Okay, good. I, I value this and I'm ready to be part of whatever comes up. And then just get in the habit of kind of writing when you wake up, even if it's really incoherent, which is this was happening and... And I feel this or I feel that. And then you can look at it and take it to therapy or whatever and try to make a bit of sense of it. Do you dream?
0: Yes, but not regularly. And I can't put my finger on what my last dream was or when it was, but I do remember my dreams. And sometimes I remember them really clearly. And sometimes they're very foggy. And then they start to disappear as you're recounting them
1: yeah because you can't remember if you made that bit up or if it if it really was happening
0: I mean the other thing is it's the most boring thing in the world to hear someone's dream right
1: (laughs) because it's their dream yeah
0: because like oh we were in a car but and you were there but it wasn't you and we were (laughs) we were in London but it didn't look like London but we all knew it was London You know Okay, brilliant. Anyway, moving
1: on. Because it doesn't mean anything really to the other people. It only means something to you. And I think something really interesting, and this is um, one school of thought, which is Jungian, which is one theory or psychologist, is that everyone in the dream is you, even when they're not you. That's
0: crazy. When my friend died, I used to have lots of dreams about him. And whether they were good or bad... I was always grateful that I'd had them because it felt like I'd seen him. The most common one was that he was just back and he was always young.
1: So tell me what the experience made you feel in that dream.
0: Well, it's super confusing, but also like it was good to see him.
1: Quite reassuring, comforting. Yeah. So so there is a massively classic example of what happening in your conscious Um, life at that moment is that you're in serious state of distress. Yeah. You've lost your friend. It's unfathomable. I'm putting words in your mouth, but I'm, I'm estimating that's probably what was going on, that you're grieving. And so what your psyche does there is it says, I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to find a way to bring alive the the, the feelings of calm, that you can cope, that there is hope. So something balancing But, you know, the unconscious, the idea of the unconscious is a theory, which is Freudian, actually. There are many theorists that talk about it, but it's a concept of the psyche, which is that there has to be another space, which isn't just about what you're thinking at this time, because you know that's not all of your being. You know that what we're talking about now and your immediate memories, that's not all of you. In terms of your feelings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does yeah. That make, it's quite an abstract concept to kind of think about. You have a million parts within you, your feeling world.
0: Yeah. But I'm so practical in my thinking, I'm immediately thinking, well, where?
1: Where does it live?
0: Where's that? Where, where am is I thinking it stored? That? So I do this thing where I'm like, picture a car, yeah? Make the car a sports car.
1: Because that's your favorite type of car. Yeah.
0: Make the car yellow. <laughs> Now change it to red. Yeah. The point is, you can see it, right?
1: You can visualize it. Where? So let's imagine that... Where are you seeing where that? Where would your unconscious be in the car then? Let's think about that metaphor.
0: No, I'm talking about actually <laughs> where are you...
1: Where? I know, but I'm trying to spin it. So if you imagine that all of that unconscious shit is in the boot, yeah, you know it's there, right? You just don't know quite what's in it. So you know that it's full, let's just say but you might not have fully processed or looked at or thought about what was in the boot.
0: Okay. Imagine that. Does that sort of... I see what you did there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is really difficult to articulate, but there's sort of also, to make it even more confusing, there's the idea that there's your individual unconscious, which is what belongs to you, all of this stuff that is not being thought about, but that you can kind of pull on, whether it's kind of in your feelings or your thinking, then there's a collective unconscious, which is even (laughs) lower down, which is the world's unconscious footprint.
0: That's all unconsciousing together.
1: All unconscious together. So it's much more archetypal. Like, So it might be what was inherited post the war. It might be what lives in your family, which is Unsaid, oh, okay. unthought about. Okay. Oh, that yeah, becomes yeah, yeah, I can see that. So there's a kind of repressed space or yeah. unthought about, unfelt, and that is a collective unconscious. It's a blue. So where's that? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that lives under the earth somewhere. Yeah, yeah, in the ground. Under in the ground, yeah, and then yeah, it kind of emerges, and sometimes we are feeling it, and we don't know quite why.
0: But the main time we experience the unconscious is in is through. Dreams, or when you're asleep,
1: asleep or unconscious, can really be live and active when we're drunk, or we're interesting. Anything that reduces our ego defense, so drugs, drinking, which is why we often say our biggest truths
0: when you mash up.
1: When you're mashed up, yeah, I'm not encouraging that at all. No, as a way,
0: but we all know it. Like anyone who's been yes, inebriated,
1: yes, knows
0: that you're you're you're
1: actually speaking your truth. And you will your have... Your inhibitions are... Your inhibitions are kind of much less. Yeah. You will also know and experience daily where else we are able to untap or tap into our unconscious because you are a creative person. Yeah. So when you're making music, you're probably not super conscious of right. what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I zone. and
1: You zone out. So you yeah, know yeah. what you're doing from a functioning yeah. point of view. Well,
0: sometimes I feel like I'm being led when I'm creating.
1: By what then?
0: I'd call it the, the, the feeling and it doesn't matter where it comes from. It could be a chord, it could be a snare drum, it could be a, a voice pitched and it's like boom. Independently, I, I search for that, a mini version of that when I'm starting something and then when I get it, I'm being led by this feeling mm. and then I'm just kind of like auditioning sounds and I know... When they're the right sound.
1: You can feel it. Yeah. So if you were to think about when your unconscious is really powerfully at work, it's when we're sleeping, when we might be (laughs) mash-up, when we're being creative, which is why play is so important, right? When we are experiencing really challenging mental health, it's quite difficult to be creative often because we might be struggling and it's... It means that we're maybe more resistant to our unconscious matter. So, creativity, like, and you might be creative, like, there are loads of different ways to be creative writing, yeah. painting, dancing, getting dressed. Whatever the thing is for you that feels something is a really, you know, I think that's where we're kind of plunging into our unconscious a bit.
0: I'm so sorry. This is an alarm.
1: Oh, yeah, you talked about this. Is that the one that makes you be present? Yeah. What's the question it asks? Or what is, tell no, me, what, it's, it's just, your friend. it's my
0: friend. My, it just says the thread when it comes up.
1: And what's his encouragement?
0: Is It's oh. to remind you that everything's blessed, basically.
1: <laughs> that it's going to be okay. Yeah.
0: And I've passed it on to a few people. And one of my friends is, when his alarm goes off, it says, fuck, yeah, we're alive.
1: I think it's really interesting because we're talking about that kind of reassurance, aren't we? Something yeah, yeah, yeah. consciously there, which is like yeah. I'm reassuring myself or What were you saying reassured. before it? Went just off. about kind of where we are able to so it's not just in sleep. You'll also right, notice yes, yes, yes. unconscious speaks in Freudian slips, which is where you really say what you mean. And you go, Oh, Oh God, I didn't mean that, yeah. but, but somewhere you did mean that, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and it's... is that like
0: when you call your teacher mum <laughs>
1: <laughs> or milf <laughs> or you say "I love you but, yes, which is kind of a Freudian slip, but maybe you do, maybe you find that yeah. person really reassuring. Yeah, 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 yeah. maybe there is something there that yeah, is yeah. is truthful in that. It doesn't mean you love them and <laughs> you know, in the way that our adolescent selves might view yeah, yeah. but Freudian slips can be very, very powerful as well.
0: And the unconscious, mm-hmm. is that the same as the subconscious?
1: <laughs> so the subconscious is kind of the bit between the unconscious and consciousness. Oh, bloody it's, oh. it's sort of another layer. Not everyone believes in that. Not every um, analyst or theorist believes in that. But they're
0: Or believes in the subconscious.
1: No, because there are different schools of thoughts around it.
0: I would say, on a, from an outsider looking in, that the subconscious is talked about and believed in more than the mm-hmm. unconscious.
1: So what do you think the subconscious is then?
0: Kind of what you've been saying the unconscious is, uh, okay. to be fair. Like, oh, subconsciously you're, I don't know now.
1: Well, maybe it's the subconsciously is a bit more conscious than the unconscious. Yeah. So it's more driving it. So there's a really good Jungian quote, which is, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate.
0: Whoa. Deep. <laughs> I wasn't expecting well, that.
1: So no. So I think that really says what it is. Which say is, it again. Say it so, again. So until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life, and you will call it fate.
0: Let me just try and unpack that. <laughs> you're being led by something you're not totally aware of, and then when a result happens that feels like
1: it's meant to be, it's meant
0: to be you name it something
1: you call magical. it magical yeah i cannot believe this happened i mean honestly like you know it's so weird probably it's not the probability is that you created that reality or you made that happen
0: or you drove yourself you
1: drove it and it isn't really weird or fate at all it's actually much more conscious than you think so it's and and it can be really dangerous then as well because if we don't start to look at our unconscious it can have really negative implications so that behavior because
0: it drives you in a bad way
1: yeah so you might find that your behavior is completely out of control that you're unable to stay in relationships that you're always jealous that you know these bigger shadowy things yeah. really drive your life and if we don't really try to understand what is going on here why am I behaving like this why am I making these choices yeah. what's my driver really unpick it then it can have really powerful implications okay so
0: this is me remembering we're doing a podcast and that yeah. people might be listening <laughs> and someone Good. right then might have been like yeah it could have really resonated with someone just then." Yes. like why am I there? what are the moves now what are the steps? Like, what does this person do? Because that's pretty common, right? To be like a pattern of bad decisions or I guess it's like where people would be like, oh, why do I always go for the wrong person? Or why do I always this, that, the other? Potentially, you're being led by your unconscious. unconscious. which
1: which will, will also have components of your core values. So what you grew up believing, the kind of set of values that you've created for your life, which might not be fact. They might be based on your experiences. So you're, you know, what's really important for us as humans is to really be curious about ourselves. Like, I am choosing all of this, even though I think it's choosing me or it's happening to me.
0: So the first step is admitting or being aware that...
1: (laughs) That you are in charge. That you are in charge. So sort of pushing away this bullshit that... All of this bad stuff happens to me and it's all my bad luck. And of course, there are many things out of our control. Yeah. But the majority of things are in our control. So how is this serving me? How am I choosing this and why? Right. Like, what is going on?
0: And that's obviously difficult work to do by yourself. So what sort of steps?
1: Steps. Well, I think the first thing is that we might notice a sort of sense of dissatisfaction In the way that we are being in life, whether that's that we're showing up in authentically, that we're constantly waking up thinking, God, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't behaved like that or or not even thinking that, you know, we might be sort of really righteously on a path Mm -hmm. that is also not serving us. But somewhere we don't feel good. Mm -hmm. We don't feel connected. We don't feel authentic. And that's the time to really look and to find a space where we can start to bring the unconscious into consciousness. Why am I doing this? What is happening here?
0: And I guess that kind of comes at a stage of, I don't want to say desperation.
1: Well, it might be like a low point. It might be even before that. It might be, you know, how have I found myself in another job? Fed up. That is, yeah, making me unhappy. Fed up not really being able to have meaningful conversations or interactions with people, not really knowing why we're doing something or saying something. Yeah. Just off, you know, we might just feel a bit off. And it's a really good time to sort of check in and to think about yourself and your actions a a bit more.
0: So that's being aware that you might be being driven by your
1: unconscious. I can give you a sort of simple example of it. I'll give you one of mine, which is quite a big one. But I always thought that I wanted to be a television presenter. That's what I wanted Mm -hmm. to do. I didn't know why I wanted to do it, but I wanted to do it. And at at all costs, I was going to be a television presenter. Mm -hmm. That's what was going to happen for me. Nobody really asked me why. And I didn't ask myself Why? And so when I got there and I was a television presenter and I'd gone through loads of hoops and hurdles and challenges and pain Mm. to get there, I was really unhappy because it wasn't that I really wanted to be a television presenter. It was because I really wanted my dad to see me. Wow. So my unconscious need to be visible to my dad was I had to put myself on the telly. That's how I was going to get seen. By him. And of course, practically I was. I was right there in front of the telly. I was on the telly. He couldn't not see me. But really, when you strip away the layers of it, it's much more subtle, much more fundamental, if you like.
0: And how on earth did you get there?
1: (laughs) I guess it was a sort of collision of things, really. Sort of getting there and going, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm not sure what I'm presenting on or what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I don't feel very happy. I don't feel very seen actually. I don't yeah. and yet that wasn't really how I needed to be seen. It, it was much different. A, a therapy. I started my training as a therapist quite soon after that and so it was a lot of kind of steps. Yeah. But actually it's really obvious, isn't it, when you when I say it like that? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It
1: wasn't obvious when I was in it. Not really. I'm not saying all television presenters, that's why they do it. But that was my kind of inner story that wasn't being listened to.
0: And had you ever had any sort of like, for want of a better word, like issues with your father?
1: Not really issues. You know, I I adore him and, and he's brilliant. But I don't think we were very close. No. And I wanted to make him proud. I think that somewhere that was part of it, that this was something I could do he would really recognise. Whereas if I was just a sort of, maybe a little studious over here or or happy in my life, maybe that wouldn't have been enough in my mind in how I understood what he recognised, which was maybe not really to do with how he was, but how I understood our relationship.
0: Yeah, I guess I ask that because, I mean, I was hoping that that would be the answer because I guess I'm trying to highlight that that big life journey that you went on the motivation behind it was to be seen by your dad wasn't necessarily because he was this awful ogre. Or that I'd had an
1: awful trauma. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No. So what I'm trying to say is that it doesn't always stem from a horrible negative experience, but just the dynamics of a relationship
1: Exactly, I think there's an estimation that there always needs to be some big trauma, and you know there definitely were aspects which were you know I was one of seven and i had I felt I had to fight to be seen, maybe yeah. there were some obvious things, but there were you
0: are one of seven?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and I've got other siblings as well, but yeah, my dad's side. so yeah. it, you know there were lots of kind of different things going on, but I think that was the core theme really for me. Do you have anything that you can relate to what we're talking about, which is where you've had a moment or you don't know exactly why you're doing something?
0: I mean, I guess the the biggest one I do is when someone plays me something that I think's shit, but I say it's good.
1: Mm. Why do you do that?
0: Because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Because they're playing it to me for my opinion and they want me to like it.
1: So this idea of not upsetting others. Not upsetting others. Which might not be, that might be more of a boundary thing actually or more of a kind of your people pleasing Mm. which will have some unconscious driver for you which might have been perhaps you weren't ever able to say what you felt or thought as a child. You didn't want to disappoint. So somewhere your driver will be probably unconscious.
0: When I was early 20s I really wanted to be, like, I've, I've always done music and wanted to be a, a, in music. But in the meantime, I, I had this, like, weird want to be, like, a painter and decorator. Mm. And I became a painter <laughs> and decorator. And I had this line in my head that painting and decorating and construction and stuff, it was honourable.
1: Honourable to who? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what like, do your parents do? Are they...
0: My is... dad's an actor.
1: Oh, okay. And my
0: mum was a drama teacher and I did various workshopping and stuff all around the art.
1: So maybe there was something about seeking stability. Maybe there was something that you didn't have, which was this sort of tradesmanship. Like experience. a really
0: like revered tradesman. Yeah. Thought they were kind of
1: practical.
0: Yeah. And like and it's
1: actual It's
0: honorable to make someone's house look really nice. Yeah. That's what kind of drove me, but then now I'm thinking maybe it wasn't. You know, <laughs> maybe it was
1: Well, maybe it was, else. but maybe that came from maybe it felt fragile as a kind of option to be a creative. Maybe whilst you saw it live through in your family, for you there was something that was a bit too abstract about it. Maybe it was financially insecure, I I don't know. And so you kind of, you lock on to the opposite of that. Because you couldn't get more opposite really, could you?
0: Yeah, you couldn't get more opposite than like my dad being an actor and then me being like a...
1: Were there many periods where he wasn't working, where it was stressful when you were a child?
0: There was periods where we didn't have any money. So that was quite stressful. But he was always working. He always would go out and do plays or he used to do children's plays in schools and Mm. tour the country. But there were times of financial struggle where...
1: And so maybe you associated this idea of being a builder as a solid, financially secure path. I mean, we know that it's not now as (laughs) adults, that it can be really difficult. But maybe as a child, you sort of idolized that. Maybe there was something about that.
0: Maybe I associated it with a certain type of person that I kind of...
1: Tell me what that person might be like.
0: I think I've had like a weird middle class issue. Like I always wanted to be from an estate.
1: Were you middle class then, not working class?
0: No, it's definitely middle class.
1: Okay, because I definitely was working class.
0: Right. I think I wanted to be working class quite a lot growing up.
1: Because that Re- meant you were what? A bit more gritty. Yeah,
0: probably a bit more cooler. I think, or just a bit, you had a bit about you rather than just this like fluffy middle class mm. upbringing.
1: That's so interesting because I really wanted to be middle class. So I used to wear, <laughs> we should so have I, <laughs> I used to wear like Ralph Lauren pink shirt that I bought and a pair of boat shoes and pale Levi 501s with a cricket jumper Preppy. around my shoulder. Preppy. Yeah. Because that's what I associated with See, I, I wasn't.
0: wore a grey Nike jack suit and <laughs> Reebok classic. Wow. What is that then? <laughs> Why did you want to be middle class?
1: Well, maybe it's because it's what we, you know, we didn't know. You know, we're always curious about the otherness of everything. You know, what is it like to not be in a relationship when you're in a relationship? What's it like to have kids if you don't have kids? Yeah, we're yeah. often quite curious about the other. Yeah. And so maybe there was something about that yeah. that you really aspired to. Yeah.
0: Quite a lot of my friends from school I went to were working class,
1: and mm.
0: lived on estates. And
1: you maybe wanted to be part of that. I think group. I wanted
0: to be part of that. And I even probably just like put on an accent and spoke a bit. How I thought. And I think I remember like one of my friends was like called me out on it. Why do you speak like that?
1: So is that, then you carry that through, right? So that is about not wanting to disappoint the other. You wanted to fit in, which is then what you find yourself doing later when you say that record's really good or you're a really good singer, even though you don't actually mean that, even though that's not really your truth, your authentic self. So, you can kind of see how it emerges, which right. is it comes from a fear of being isolated from being left out, not included, whatever, wherever you wanted to go with that thought, when you start to drill into it, you find that you still repeat it unless you make it conscious, which is what am I doing here
0: so we get to the point where I'm like, "I'm people pleasing because maybe i I have a desire to fit in for whatever reason, yeah, and that's. Is that bringing your unconscious into the conscious? It's
1: more kind of looking, maybe what would happen then is you'd need to drill down a little bit more into what is your fear around not fitting in or not pleasing people? Like, what happens then, you know, to you? What's the fear? So it's not always kind of really obvious. This kind of process doesn't always follow a really linear path. But you can almost always trace it back to something that you're not conscious of. I'm not exactly conscious of why not pleasing others is really so important to me. And that might stem from your childhood. It might stem from other experiences.
0: It's funny that it's all connected, isn't it? All of your kind of like traits and mistakes and your stories and your it's all connected, isn't it? It's all like part of the same...
1: It's the things that we might bury, we might repress, we might not even know are there. And sometimes it can be glaringly obvious and sometimes it can't. So for example, you might have a client, a woman who just can't get enough. So is always hungry, constantly overspends, is overzealous with her energy, but she doesn't really understand why she's behaving like this. Mm. It's fine. She can live with it but it's not very comfortable and what we might find or you know you might trace back that she lost a baby at right. some point in her life and she's trying to fill herself back up so that is an unconscious driver that is maybe been buried because it was too painful to process what that felt like and what that meant but somehow it's directing her life in a way that she doesn't quite have control over
0: and like we said before, it's not always like a big... It doesn't danger. always,
1: you know, that, that is an example of one, but it, it might not be as big as that. We're talking about a really big concept here, which, yeah. which we might not, you know, it might take weeks or months to get there to actually make the connections for yourself. But, yeah. but your dreams can really help with that. They act as a kind of communication tool between, you know, your unconscious and your consciousness.
0: And you recommend writing them down in a book and then taking them to something? What did you say? Yeah, I mean,
1: first of all, putting them on paper makes them a lot more conscious and you can hold on to them more.
0: And you don't have to understand them.
1: Don't make sense of it. Don't don't try and don't Google it. Don't Google it, no. Just write in a stream of consciousness, like just write and what you were feeling and that happened and that was weird and they were in it. and Oh God, that made me feel a bit, uh, whatever. Yeah. And then you can start to look at themes within your dreams or symbols, which is, you know, there's always something appearing or there's always this. And that makes me think of that.
0: Is it every dream? Because my friend once had a dream that he was best mates with Wayne Rooney when they were kids and (laughs) they went camping. (laughs) Which is a really cool
1: dream to have as a kid. But it might be. No, he wasn't a kid. (laughs) He was an adult. Yeah, he was an
0: adult. (laughs) Like he's in his dream he was a kid with Wayne and they were i think they <laughs> Did were like to be a footballer probably in his life at some point
1: yeah so maybe that look you can get get underneath it yeah,
0: yeah, but not
1: all of them need to be thought about right. in that way but it might be really helpful because it might be that maybe he's not reaching his potential somewhere he's not quite living in his corners he's it's not owning it
0: all him. linked
1: i th- yeah <laughs> it's, all it's,
0: connected. All connected. it's all connected all
1: connected
0: all connected wow can any therapist unpick that dream stuff? Or not is there... everybody
1: wants to, so it's not everybody's. Some people won't work directly with the unconscious material.
0: Because they don't believe.
1: <laughs> well, that might not be their training. They might be much more CBT, for example, which is really looking at your behavior patterns. So it's less asking the question why and more solving it.
0: What do we do now?
1: Yeah, how do we move yeah, yeah. forward?
0: I had CBT once.
1: What was that for?
0: It was when I was having those anxiety attacks due mm. to a stomach issue. He just didn't want to hear a bar of of that.
1: He wanted to talk about what how you made yourself think yourself well or
0: Yeah. I mean to be fair, I probably shouldn't have gone to a CBT guy, but
1: Well, CBT has a great place, you know. 100%. Many of our practitioners use CBT tools in their practice. But it might be that your curiosity was about why. Why yeah. am I having this? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And that needs thinking about differently.
0: Yeah. He was kind of like giving me these mind maps where it's like, if you have a problem, can you solve it? If you can't, don't worry about it. If you can, <laughs> solve it. And I was like, that's Did not helping that help me. Did help you? No, no, it didn't help me. I was no. Just like, the only thing that would help me was he, he taught me to do this like breathing exercise, which, which was really good
1: you know breath is such a powerful reminder of our power look how fucking amazing we are just breathing
0: well it seems that the unconscious is actually just humongous sort of swellings of feelings and emotions that we don't understand until we bring them into the surface Mm. and I was kind of like looking for a really neat way of wrapping up this episode but I was faced with an ocean, an of ocean.
1: <laughs> so interesting, you say that because the water is often uh, related to the unconscious, the depths uh, of it, the expanse of it, the unpredictable nature of it. But I think it's a useful thing to have a little understanding about. Yeah.
0: Well, hopefully we've done that. I mean, I, I mean, you've definitely done that for me today. And Hopefully, someone listening will be a touch more enlightened in the ways of the unconscious because we really just scratched the surface we totally
1: did are you going to get a dream book yeah good do it
0: well thank you again pleasure have a lovely week and we'll see you next week